The committee will come to order. Mr. Chu, you are here because the American people need the truth about the, the threat TikTok poses to our national and personal security. Today, all eyes on Capitol Hill were on one man, Show Z Chu, the CEO of TikTok. We are committed to be very transparent with our users about what we collect. I don't think what we collect, I don't believe what we collect is more than most see, players in the CEOs of social media companies are no strangers to giving congressional testimony. But Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, they're all still around. The government never banned them. But that's a very real possibility with TikTok. And while some people are more than happy at the idea of TikTok just disappearing in the U.S., others are fighting to keep it alive. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Chris Velasco, your guest host. It's Thursday, March 23rd. TikTok says it's grown to 150 million monthly active users in the U.S., and now it faces an existential crisis. Today, we're talking with Cristiano Lima about this. Cristiano is a business reporter at The Post, and he writes the Tech 202 newsletter, which covers tech policy and politics. He was on Capitol Hill today, reporting from inside one of the most important tech hearings in modern history. Cristiano, let's, let's take a step back for just a second. Is there a real chance the government might actually ban TikTok soon? So it's certainly possible that the federal government will try. It is unclear whether it can actually follow through. During the Trump administration, former President Trump announced that he was going to try to ban the platform. He issued an executive order to that effect. It ran into massive legal hurdles. We're looking at TikTok. We may be banning TikTok. We may be doing some other things or a couple of options. His administration decided to reroute and try to instead force a divesture, basically make TikTok's Chinese-based parent company, you know, uh, relinquish the platform. Uh, But that also ran into massive hurdles in the courts. And so right now, you know, the Biden administration, as we've reported, has been pushing TikTok uh, more aggressively for a plan that would force ByteDance to spin it off. Uh, And they're threatening, you know, this idea of a ban if the company does not follow through. Um, but, But there are a number of hurdles to that, including China itself, which could block uh, such a move, and just today uh, voice that they would oppose a divestiture. We've seen a lot of people kind of pushing the idea of a ban over other alternatives for TikTok in this case. Can you walk us through the arguments for banning TikTok? Lawmakers have voiced concern that under its current structure with TikTok being owned by ByteDance, there's effectively no way to settle some of their concerns, which stem from uh, some Chinese laws that they believe could compel ByteDance to turn over TikTok users' uh, personal data from within the U.S. Now, TikTok has said that it it would not do this. It has not done this. It has testified this under oath to Congress, including its CEO. Um, but, but, the, but, you know, lawmakers have been saying that they just don't take the company for its word. Um, and at this point, even the assurances, some of the concessions that the company has offered, lawmakers, have a lot of them have not been willing to entertain it as sort of a serious uh, firewall that would be able to safeguard against some of their, their biggest fears. Talk to me about what's happening legislatively. Are there bills kind of working, working their way through the process that could possibly force some kind of action with respect to TikTok? 
Yeah, so there's a number of bills on Capitol Hill that are in play. Uh, some of them have bipartisan support, some of them do not. Uh, Republicans in the House advanced um, a measure earlier this month that would effectively give uh, President Biden a lot more power to ban TikTok. Um, but Democrats at the time expressed concern that the process was being rushed. They, they worried about some of the other implications of that particular proposal. Uh, but there's also been a separate bill introduced in the Senate that has a similar goal, but goes about it differently, but basically trying to give the Commerce Department greater power to restrict or ban apps from countries that are deemed as sort of adversaries to the U.S., which, you know, certainly lawmakers have TikTok in mind, but it's not expressly focused on the company. And that could help it withstand challenges in courts. Lots of people during the hearing today expressed concern over the relationship they perceived between TikTok, its parent company, ByteDance, and the Chinese government. But did we get any evidence that China is actually looking at or has access to data from U.S. users? So there's no evidence that the Chinese government has seized data of U.S. users from TikTok. And there's also no evidence that it has actively influenced the algorithms and the code that impacts what U.S. users see on TikTok. Uh, having said that, lawmakers have expressed concerns just about the corporate structure, some of the uh, overlap between TikTok and its parent company and the way uh, its employees you know, ultimately report up to ByteDance, um, but also have expressed concern about in the past, uh, employees based in China having access to U.S. user data. Now, TikTok has pushed back on this and said that in the past they've implemented, you know, strict privacy safeguards to um, ward off potential intrusion by the Chinese government. Uh, and part of the deal that they've offered to the federal government now uh, includes proposals around storing U.S. user data specifically in the U.S., having an American company oversee it, and having sort of additional safeguards and oversight mechanisms. Um, to ensure that that would not happen. But even so, we've heard from multiple lawmakers at the hearing today that they just don't think it's sufficient, that they think that under Chinese law, there will be a way for uh, members of the Chinese Communist Party to gain access to uh, U.S. user data, no matter how much the company fights back against that assertion. So you're describing what I believe is referred to as Project Texas, in which Oracle in Texas would sort of store U.S. user data and sort of open it up to government scrutiny if required. With that in mind, it, as you point out, it doesn't seem like anyone is really satisfied by this. But has anyone said why they find this idea so unappealing? I think there are lawmakers on Capitol Hill who believe that there could be an answer to satisfy some of the security concerns by setting up standards uh, such as Project Texas. But increasingly, we've heard from lawmakers that they just don't believe that it goes far enough and that ultimately divesture or a ban is going to be necessary to truly head off uh, some of their concerns. So it sounds like there are a couple avenues of potential action here, but let's unpack how all of that's been unfolding today. You're on Capitol Hill. Tell us about how the hearing kind of unfolded. Right, so the hearing kicked off with... Uh, Chairwoman Kathy McMorris-Rogers expressing her support for a ban, and she is, of course, a high-ranking Republican official, and so immediately kicked off on sort of very adversarial note. That kind of content is available on our platform. You can go and search it. I will remind you that making false or misleading statements to Congress is a federal crime. 
I understand. Uh, again, if okay, you go on our platform, you, you will find question. that content. Okay, thank you. Frank Pallone, the top Democrat on the panel, echoed some of the China concerns, but he also focused a lot around an issue that um, outside groups have been raising a lot, which is the uh, broader concerns about data privacy practices across the tech sector. You're trying to give the impression that you're going to move away from Beijing and the Communist Party. You're trying to give the impression that you're a good actor. But the commitments that we would seek uh, to achieve those goals are not being made today. They're just not being made. You're going to continue to gather data. You're going to continue to sell data. You're going to continue to do all these things uh, and continue to be under the aegis of, of the Communist Party through, the, through your uh, you know, uh, organization that owns you. So in any case, thank you. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. And we heard from both that while they have concerns about um, the, the Chinese ownership of ByteDance and effectively TikTok, um, that they are still have broader concerns about the industry and some of the practices that not only TikTok perform, but other American social media companies. As we saw members of the committee questioning Mr. Chu, did you get a sense that these people kind of understood how TikTok worked? And I'd love to get your sense of how Chu kind of responded in those moments. Right. I mean, there's been a lot made over the years about lawmakers not understanding some of the technology that they um, talk about and that they criticize openly. Um, there, there have been some flashes of that today. There was uh, one point where one lawmaker asked about, you know, how TikTok connects with Wi-Fi. Mr. Chu, does TikTok access the home Wi-Fi network? That appeared to, to puzzle the TikTok chief. Uh, I'm sorry, I may not understand that. So if I have a TikTok app on my phone and my phone is on my home Wi-Fi network, does TikTok access that network? It will have to, to access the network to get connections to the internet, if that's the question. Is it possible then that it could access other devices on that home Wi-Fi network? Co Congressman, we do not do anything that is beyond any industry norms. Um, I believe the answer to your question is no. It could be technical. Let me get back to you. That one did throw me for a bit of a loop, yeah. Right, right. Um, but also there were just moments uh, where the lawmakers were asking about a lot of practices that are fairly common across the industry. And so there was some reaction from privacy experts online pointing out that um, while, yes, there are concerns about some of these data collection practices, some of these things um, are fairly standard across the industry. And this is something that Chu raised himself in his testimony. He said at one point, I don't believe that TikTok uh, collects any more data than most of our competitors. In some ways, we're, we're even better. Um, and actually, you know, we recently ran a poll, uh, the Washington Post did, that was released yesterday that found that largely Americans are in line with that interpretation, that a plurality said that they don't think that TikTok uh, collects more data than some of its American peers. Yeah, it's also interesting you mentioned that at the top of the hearing, the chairwoman sort of mentioned that TikTok, you know, I think her phrase was collects all possible data points on Americans, which we pretty quickly discerned was not specifically true. Some things like precise location data are kind of left out of TikTok. It altogether doesn't sound like anything super out of the ordinary for a social media company in 2023. Right. And this is something we heard and was a theme throughout the session today. Uh, Congressman Frank Pallone, the, the top Democrat, uh, you know, he pressed uh, Chu at one point to commit to whether the company would stop conducting various collection practices. Uh, and a lot of these were things that are fairly common in the industry. 
Um, it should be noted that, you know, this is the committee that has been spearheading efforts to pass a data privacy law that would cover all companies. And so this is something that we heard from the lawmakers on the panel, again, renewing calls for that legislation to be enacted to govern not just TikTok, but also the Facebooks and Instagrams and YouTubes of the world. So among those people who are very much on the other side of the debate, who are arguing that TikTok should continue to remain a force in sort of American culture, what are they saying about all of this and sort of what should happen in the months that follow? It's a small contingent. There were a trio of members of the Congressional Progressive Caucus uh, that on Wednesday night they held a press conference, um, you know, a rally essentially, with a lot of the TikTok creators that have come into town with the company's assistance uh, to push back against this ban. And, and some of the arguments we heard, Congressman Jamal Bowman, who was leading this press conference, you know, he, he talked about how uh, he uses this app to reach to reach out to constituents and, and connect with voters, but also how they've used it for creativity and to how it enrich their lives and to further their businesses. Um, but, but something else that was interesting that they argued was that they believe that a lot of the, what he called, quote, hysteria around TikTok uh, is rooted from is a sense of xenophobia around China. This idea that uh, concerns about China's global influence could potentially pose another red scare, uh, you know, a reference to, to concerns about communism and socialism from decades back. And, you know, from some polling that we've done this week, uh, we've seen that, you know, who uses TikTok actually has a huge impact on whether or not they support a crackdown against the government with people who use it a lot um, by a majority opposing um, a ban uh, and, and people who don't use it often, a majority of them back a ban. After the break, we unpack Chu's performance and what it could mean for the future of TikTok. We'll be right back. So Shochu was under intense scrutiny today. What do we know about him as a person and sort of his relationship to America and TikTok and China broadly? Right. So he really went out of his way to distance himself, not only his company, but also himself personally from China. You know, so he's um, he's 40 years old. He's from Singapore. He interned at Facebook. He studied at the Harvard Business School. He, he highlighted a lot of these personal ties, familial ties, um, as a way to say, you know, I am not beholden um, to the, the Chinese government in, in any way. So he really sought to paint himself in line with a lot of the American tech innovators that have come before Congress in recent years um, and as a part of that class. Really quickly, can you give us a sense of, I mean, Shozi Chu, is, it's a difficult job for him to walk into the hearing room and sort of be berated by people for basically most of a day. Can you tell us a bit about how he's responded to all of this so far? Yeah, sure. I, I think he's been fairly composed. I think many of the questions uh, most people uh, knew were coming. I think they likely foresaw a lot of the questions. I mean, lawmakers have been airing these concerns for years. 
Um, and members of the panel have sent letters to the company and they have had unanswered questions for, for many months. Um, and so I think he's mostly come prepared to provide answers to the questions. A lot of what he's done has been pivot to the assurances uh, and the concessions that the company has offered as a part of Project Texas. Um, but, but even so, as we've heard, lawmakers have not, are not satisfied by that proposal and were not satisfied when he leaned on those. Uh, some of the points where lawmakers seemed to get uh, particularly fed up with Chu was when uh, you know they sought some of the assurances around, will you stop performing this type of data collection? Can you assure us that um, you know uh, s- something about their corporate structure that they'll increase separation with ByteDance and potentially you know, um, exposure to the Chinese government. So Mr. Chu, if the CCP tells ByteDance to turn over all data that TikTok has collected inside the U.S., even within Project Texas, do they have to do so, according to the Chinese law? Con- Congressman, first, I'm, I'm Singaporean. Um, That's fine, yeah. but there are employees of yours and ByteDance is in China. We, we understand this concern. In my opening statement, we said, we hear these concerns, we didn't try to avoid them or, you know, trivialize them. We built something where we take that data and put it out of reach. This is what we did. We put it out of reach. Out of reach. And when he wasn't able to definitively say, uh, we will not do that, we, we don't do this, that's when lawmakers really laid into him. ByteDance Byte owns TikTok. If ByteDance is told, and, and the CCP owns ByteDance because the CCP, CCP owns everybody in China. And so by law, they can make them do whatever they want. And they say that by law, you can't tell anyone about it. So they can make you hand over that data. Is that correct? Data is stored here in American soil by an American well, company you say that. overseen we, by American we thought that, but leaked on. It, it felt very much like the lines of inquiry that unfolded today fell into sort of one of three categories. There's, there's data privacy. There's, you know, misinformation. And there's mental health, which kind of came up a lot. Did he mention mental health impacts that TikTok can have on teenagers? And, and sort of what role did that play in the hearing today? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this committee has been the one that has been driving the charge in terms of trying to pass uh, protections for children along with some of their counterparts uh, in the Senate. And this is an issue that they've been gearing up for uh, for months, speaking to, to aides and, and lawmakers in advance of the session uh, you know, Chu met privately with a, with a lot of them, um, and I know that this was um, a top issue for many of them. Uh, and and so, you know, he he tried to um, assure them, and and he described in his testimony TikTok as sort of having, uh, in line with if not better safety standards uh, for children than a lot of its peers. Uh, but but lawmakers are really drilling down about um, particular issues around you know, how the company verifies the age of users and how it makes sure content isn't targeted or amplified to them. And did Mr. Chu have anything to say about the spread of misinformation or or the potential security risks that TikTok can play? Mr. Show, I'd like to direct your attention to the screen for a short video, if you don't mind. Well, so in one very vivid moment, uh, a congresswoman from, from Florida, she played a clip um, that showed a gun clip unloading, um, and it had a subtext, had some text over it that suggested that this is something the user wanted to do during today's committee hearing. That video was posted 41 days ago. As you can see, it is captioned me as F at the House Energy and Commerce Committee on March 23rd of this year. This video was posted before this hearing was publicly noticed. I think that's a very interesting point to raise. But more concerning is the fact that it names this chairwoman by name. 
And so that was a very uh, visceral moment. Uh, the post, which we found, uh, was very quickly taken down just minutes after that exchange on the platform. But it had tagged, uh, it had a hashtag including the chairwoman's name, it had uh, the committee name. Um, and so, you know, TikTok was very quick to respond, but part of the congresswoman's critique was that this was a post that had remained up uh, for weeks. Uh, and so they used this as an example to say, well, if you can't even protect this platform against very blatant threats of violence, why should we trust you to protect it with the data of um, 100 plus uh, million American users? Uh, you know, unfortunately, the, the committee did move away uh, from the question without providing Mr. Chu a chance to answer. So, so we don't know what he would have said um, about that particular clip. And with that, I yield back. Can I respond, Chair? No, we're going to move on. Which was a bit of a theme. He did not get to respond to uh, quite a few things that have sort of been laid at his feet. So that question in particular kind of ties back into a larger kind of theme that we saw unfold during the hearing, which is one of control. So is it your sense that Mr. Chu has kind of made a compelling argument that he is sort of able to effectively control what happens on TikTok? I think he's not been shy about acknowledging that ultimately the buck stops with him. But I think certainly lawmakers think that because of the corporate structure, because TikTok ultimately uh, is in a chain that reports up to ByteDance, they don't think that the buck stops there. They think the buck stops with its parent company, and they continue to have concerns about its ties to China. You know, with respect to a potential ban, have we seen a move like this at this scale by the government to ban a major app like TikTok? I mean, do we have a sense of what kind of ramifications a move like that would have? I think if the federal government were to ban TikTok, it would be an unprecedented crackdown. Uh, CFIUS, the agency that has been reviewing uh, TikTok's proposal to settle national security concerns, you know, they from time to time have struck different settlements with firms, but never on the scale of a platform like TikTok, which has, you know, very rapidly become one of the most downloaded uh, in the world, one of the most used, um, that's become a source for users to even turn to as a search engine, a primary search engine at times, uh, on top of a lot of the entertainment functions that we're kind of uh, familiar with. I'm not much of a TikTok person, so I don't really have a horse in this race, but just from a mechanical perspective, I don't really... It doesn't seem clear how you would enforce a ban itself. Uh, the government could feasibly compel Apple and Google to sort of remove the app from their respective app stores, but you can't make someone delete the app, and you maybe could make them shut down the servers that keep the service functioning in the U.S., but many things that remain very unclear about this process. Right. I mean, uh, so, you know, we've, we've talked about the, the legal hurdles that uh, such a ban would likely face in courts and some of the constitutional challenges. But, but I think you're right, just as, as sizable are some of the technical challenges and how that would actually play out. Um, certainly, as this is an app that um, already has massive scale in the U.S. Um, and that, you know, likely you'd see a lot of pushback from younger users who... Uh, wouldn't want to participate in those steps to, to to facilitate a full execution of a ban. What's your sense of what happens after this hearing? This is one day of questioning. Does this feel impactful and kind of what's the path forward? 
we're, we're kind of on a collision course at the moment. You know, the, the Biden administration has made it known to the company that it is pushing for a divesture and that if the company does not follow through, that that could lead to a ban. China has now made it clear that it would not support a divesture. Um, on Capitol Hill, there's some support for a ban, but I would not say that it's broad in both parties. There were key committee leaders on the Democratic side today that notably did not say that they endorse a ban. Uh, and we've seen that the Biden administration, they have been reviewing this deal for uh, months and months and months and negotiating with TikTok and have yet to reach a resolution. They've endorsed some of the congressional measures, seemingly acknowledging that they believe that they need some more powers to really fully address this. And so it, it's ultimately going to be um, a showdown between the hardliners who say, um, we absolutely need a ban, we absolutely need a divesture, um, and some lawmakers have taken a more moderate stance um, and argued that there's a middle ground to be had and that the company has, you know, aggressively lobbied for, and sh I should note, invested heavily towards as well. Cristiano, thanks so much for joining us from the Hill. It's been great talking to you. Thanks so much for having me. That was Cristiano Lima. He's a business reporter focused on tech politics and policy. After we talked to Cristiano and after the congressional hearing wrapped, Post reporters Katza Kresge and Jeff Stein kept digging into what the day's events could mean for TikTok. And as it turns out, according to a source speaking anonymously, senior officials inside the Biden administration now say they aren't sure they have the authority to ban TikTok without an act of Congress. If you want to dig deeper into tech policy news, you should really subscribe to the Tech 202 newsletter, which Cristiano writes. I work with Cristiano on the Post's tech team, and not only does it make me better at my job, it's actually also just a fun read. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Eliza Dennis and Arjun Singh. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Rena Flores. Thanks also to Alexis Fitz and Drew Harwell. I'm Chris Velasco. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hold up. 